Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and it is a new, new leadership model at ASU. <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the new leadership model, which, you know, to be fair, it didn't really, you know, like they stopped using that sort of jargon after a short amount of time. Um, but well, it, it's and still the, haunts them. Still haunts them. It's still got brought up in the last week. So. Well, and the Doug Haller article uh, basically said, like, yeah, they came up with a thing to yeah. talk about yeah. to expl- to try to defray from the people yeah. ragging on the high negative reaction. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, it kind of worked for a short time, and that that's one of the interesting things about all this is how negative the reaction was initially to Herm's hire. And then how things seem to, you know, for, for the better part of a couple of years, um, you know, it looked like the end of result, who knows the end result, but it looked like the result at least was going to be like, Hey, you know, this isn't too bad. Yeah. And, and then it ended up, you know, ending kind of disastrously just as, just as everyone predicted, but the, the road was not disastrous. I would, I would argue with anyone who says the whole thing was a giant failure it was a failure overall in the end, but it, it wasn't a failure at every step of the way. The way we got to failure took longer than I think people suspected it would. Yes, yes. But and ultimately. The, and the wins and losses on the field were not, they were not to the expectation that Ray Anderson said, but they were also not to the disastrous proportions that some predicted. Like, yeah. you know, some thought, oh, it was going to be John Makovic part two in Arizona. That was not the case. Like, he, he never had a losing record except for this year. When he yeah. leaves. So ASU is a two uh three touchdown favorite to yeah. Eastern Michigan last Saturday. They get run off the field. The the <laughs> defense can't stop anybody. Um yeah. a running back whose previous career high was just shy of ninety yards, rushed for over two hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the the strategy, I, you know, there was a lot of, I think, maybe revisionist history after the good feelings about Oklahoma State. But yeah, it it seems the new prevailing wisdom was Herm had designed this team strategically to not lose badly in any game. Yeah, yeah. But that they didn't have a switch to flip to win a game. And that was something Which, that you and I had talked about as a, a valid concern. Yeah, we did. We did. I mean, we talked about what would happen if you're down by, you know, 10 in the second half. And can you, you know, and, and we were against Oklahoma State and we didn't win the game. But you thought, OK, you know, that's a that's a road game against the top 15 team. Eh, you know, no harm done. Uh, I mean, obviously you want to win, but okay. Um, but then we found ourselves in exactly that position against Eastern Michigan at home, you know, down a couple of scores most of the second half and couldn't put it together to come back and win. I mean, it, you know, like that's a game that you got to be able to flip the switch, as you just said, and, and it just wasn't there apparently. And, you know, and the lack of discipline that has been yeah. a hallmark of the Herm Edwards era reared its head again. Yep. Um, Yep. Yep. You know, critical penalties at critical times on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, when, which, when you don't have 
a ton of talent. And when you don't, you know, when you're, as you said, kind of designing a team to, you know, not lose badly, um, you can't have those type of mistakes. You know, like when you don't have the talent or the, or the scheme to make up for 15 yard penalties. Yeah. It's, it's a team that was built for their offense to run on schedule. And yes. as soon yes. as it gets off schedule, it just, it's like, yeah. well, we, we don't trust yeah. our quarterback to throw. Yeah. We also yeah. aren't going to give him the freedom to run. Right. So we're going to become a very predictable school when it yeah. comes to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, I didn't see the game. Um, I was, as you know, I was on the East coast, so I, I slept through most of it. Um, I saw we were down 10, nothing at the end of the first quarter. And I thought, well, that's not great. But I thought, well, you know, we'll come back. And then I woke up at one point and I checked the score and it was 24, 14 in the third. And I thought, well, that's not great. Uh, and then the next thing I knew it was 31, 20 and that was a final. And I'm like, wow. Uh, uh, you know, it was a bitter pill to swallow because I mean, we were outplayed. It just seemed like, I, I mean, we were down 10, nothing. We never, we never got closer than what? Three. I think we yeah. got it to 10, seven. We never tied like, the uh, game. We never, never tied, led, never led. And that's, you know, ultimately I am surprised that we lost yeah. Knowing that we lost, I am supr- still surprised Herm was fired. Uh, or, yeah. or, and, yeah. and I want to be clear about something. Right. I'm going to say fired. He relinquished yeah. his duties is a bad position for ASU to take because if he's not gone, you had a reason to fire him for cause. Right. If we're now going to suggest that we're going to pay him the remaining $8 million on his contract, that, that's bad. That's very yeah. bad. That's, I, I, mean, I, I don't I don't know. The whole thing is is very, you know, legalese. Um, you know, he was neither fired nor resigned. He's just not the coach anymore. Like, so what? are we paying? I mean, it's kind of office space, you know, like, yeah. so you so you quit. No, I'm just not going to go anymore. Like, oh, OK. Like, what? Well, I, I don't. And yeah. I, and I want to be clear about something. I'm stealing this point from the Sun Devil source guys, but I yeah. think this is a, a very important point. The difference between paying Herm that $8 million and not paying him that $8 million is $2 million a year on the contract for the next head coach. Yeah, that's a good point. And and that Um, might be the difference between, and I say this without seeing it and I'm rooting for Sean Aguano, but that might be the difference between having your hand sort of forced with Sean Aguano being the guy versus having Sean Aguano could be the guy, but maybe Kenny Dillingham's the guy, or maybe yeah. Mike Norvell is a retreads the guy, or maybe Cliff Kingsbury's yeah. the guy, or uh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, but it's but it's the difference between being able to pay someone six million a year versus mm-hmm. four million a year, and that's a significant difference in the kind of coach you could get. I for think. sure, for sure, and also you know whether it's a head coach or or your coaching staff. Um, yeah. I mean, that doesn't come cheap anymore. That used to be kind of a taken for granted. Oh, okay. It's this much, you know, I mean, now if you want to compete at the highest level or even a medium level, you, you've got to, you've got to spend pretty good money on your coordinators yeah. and your recruiting budget and things like that. So as we learned from I, the Arch know, Manning story, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which was totally overblown by the, I mean, like, I think that you think that was unusual. 
I mean, like, yeah, you got to spend a lot of money. It, it wasn't like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of schools are like, yeah, big deal. But anyway, um, like, I guess you'd hope, you'd hope, and I don't know if it's true, that Herm and Ray's relationship, which, of course, is why Herm is, was here, um, you know, that maybe Herm went to him and said, I'm just going to go away. Let's just make a clean break. Let's, you know, you and I have too much history. Um, you know, I need to get out. You need to get out from under this. And that's it. I, will we ever know? I don't know. I mean, I guess probably we will. Somebody will, you know, request records or it'll be public. But, God, I hope we're not paying him that $8 billion. That that would be an ultimate kick to the nuts. Well, and I – you bring up Ray. So let's, you know – I, we're going to keep circling back to Herm, but let's talk about Ray sure, Anderson's sure. role in all of this. So Ray Anderson, full-throated support, got into it with fans earlier in the season about just watch, you know, we're going to be really right. good. Um, this didn't work, and it, and it ended bad. This is, you know, say what you will, and I know that there's a lot of, you know, Everyone does the reverse. We had an offensive yeah. coach who was lenient. That didn't go well. Right. So then we hired right. a defensive coach who was super strict. <laughs> that went, I would went argue, okay. pretty okay. Yeah, so then we hired okay, a it, defensive it, it coach who was yeah. lenient, but who also hadn't coached in a long time and right. didn't bother to learn the rules and didn't bother to do these things. And, you know, Doug Howler's story made it clear. Ray Anderson was telling people Herm was going to be the guy Way before Graham got fired. Way before Graham got fired. That was interesting. Yes, yes. There was there was a lot. So a quick aside. There was a lot very interesting in Doug Haller's story. But just a quick thing you and I maybe pay attention to more than others. I am so – I'm getting tired of the post-mortem journalism. Like where – you know, and I and I don't blame Doug Haller because I get it. I get why it is. But because it's you frustrating can't to me the- that if Doug Haller knew this six years ago, why didn't he, why didn't he report it? Well, you, you know, can't like that, torch the relationships, the and it's exactly. I and get it's, it. I get it, but it's just frustrating as a reader and as someone who, at one time, fancied himself a, a you know a wannabe journalist. Um, it's frustrating. You know, there was a lot in that story about the email that Tim Connolly sent about you know, boy, we need you know everybody to take this test, and it seems like Herm Edwards doesn't pay attention to the recruiting rules, and it's like that's all very interesting. But it would have been even more interesting to know it three years ago when it came out, when, yeah. you know, when, when Doug Heller probably found out. Well, and this is, I think, a, a relevant point on just going further down your rabbit hole. This is why there are like three ways to do it now. Yeah. This way is the, I think, by and large standard of how yeah. it's done. Yeah. You sit on information until the people that you're covering are no longer important. And then you could come out with that information. Yeah. We like to call this the covering the Boston Red Sox approach. Yeah. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. It happens all the time now. Yes. Yes. The second option is to not be a journalist, but to be a newsbreaker. And then you can say the negative thing. As long as you also say the positive thing that they want right. you to say. Right, true. And there's true. that realm. And then there's the third one, which is kind of passe, I think. 
but it's and it's become like Substack is where you find it. But it's like the John Wilner, John Canzano wow. version of like, hey, look, I'm just aggregating all of the information I have and providing it to you. Yeah. And I'm doing wow. it with my commentary and it's my opinion and you can disagree. But within that, you learn a lot about what's going on. Bring some news. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not blaming Doug Haller. Like, this is not me ripping Doug Haller. Um, it's more of a statement, I think, on the on just the power balance between subjects and, and media that is way out of whack, I believe, from what it was supposed to be. And it, it's not going to change. I mean, it's only going to get worse, probably. Um, because, yeah, I mean, if Doug Haller reports this stuff, in 2016, 17, 18, 19, he gets excommunicated basically. And he's no longer an ASU beat reporter because he has no access to ASU. Yeah. So the, I get it, but it's just frustrating. The old times of the Republic and the East Valley Tribune having multiple beat writers right. and right. they're getting their stories like it's gone. And, for and, stories and, and, and having some sort of, some sort of objectivity, because that doesn't exist anymore either. I mean, you know, the East Valley Tribune doesn't really exist, and the Republic is basically now a cheerleader yeah. for the teams in town. Um, you know, I could, I mean, God Almighty, we could go on and on, and yeah. I, you know, I, and I don't want this to become a state of the media discussion. But as you mentioned, the Haller story—that's just one thing that I wanted to discuss with you a little, because of primarily because of our own background. Uh, you know, we were. We were high school journalists. We were college reporters. We, you know, we wanted to go that route for a while. And, uh, but anyway, let's, we'll get back on the topic. Um, so let's uh, go know. back to Ray and, and yes. what's going on. So Ray has decided that he's going to bring in Herm. Yeah. Then with full awareness of the likely <laughs> blowback, they yeah. craft a PR strategy effectively Yeah. of the, New leadership model. Herm's going to be the CEO. We're going to win by getting people to, you know, ready for the NFL. Right. We don't care about NIL. We don't care about the NCAA investigation. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. Though I understand, and look, as much as journalism is how it is, the guy having to say that stuff, I get that too. Ray yeah, has to sure. say that stuff. I mean, the NIL one, maybe not, but the other stuff he has to say. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And, and so that's fine. But part of the thing that comes with you have to say that stuff when you make the hire is when it doesn't work, you don't get to make another hire. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know so I, we're. I'm, I'm, I find my mind as we're talking wandering all over the place. And I, you know, I know one thing that I said before we started recording this was that I didn't necessarily want to delve too deep into the, who's going to be the next coach yet. And that's a big reason why we don't even know who's going to be making the decision. I mean, you know, Ray Anderson himself basically indicated that it might not be him. Yeah. And I don't know that it should be him. I mean, I'm not saying that's bad that it's not going to be him. Um, and yet then my next, you know, the domino effect of that is why is he still the AD then? I mean, if you can't trust him to make the decision on who the head football coach is, given that one, he's the athletic director, two, his background is football, then what are we keeping him on board for? 
I mean, like, I know there's more to the job than hiring head coaches. I get that. However, I would say it is the most important part of being an athletic director, hiring good head coaches. Well, certainly it's that. football is the number one. It's that or fundraising. Yeah, which we're not doing that great with that either. And that's going poorly. The arena got built, so it's not a, like, continuity question here. Right, right. You know, and he, you know, like, the perception which somehow has become reality is that, you know, like Ray Anderson, you know, oversaw the, the football facility and the stadium renovation. And he came in halfway through that. Yeah. Like Ray, Ray Anderson didn't get it started to renovate the stadium. He did not. That's, that's untrue. It was already on the way. Uh, the football facility was in large part financed by Todd Graham. Yeah. I mean, not like Todd Graham beat the bushes and, and got a lot of that done and he didn't get to enjoy it when it was all done. But, you know, like, so this, this, you know, oh, well, Ray Anderson helped the facilities. And I mean, there's another question. And again, I, I find my mind going a thousand miles an hour here as we're talking. But like, if we're talking about Ray Anderson, and I'm going to say, why is he still the AD? My question would be, and I'll, I'll ask it legitimately. I'll ask you genuinely and tell me if there's anything I'm forgetting. What is better now than it was when Ray Anderson first got here? At ASU. Okay. Well, I mean, is there anything? Well, let's walk through. No, I, 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 I'm being. I, I, I'm taking the question at face value, so I want to. Yeah, walk I want through you it. to. I mean, because really, so, I, like, maybe there is, but there's nothing that jumps to mind for me. So football is worse. Men's yeah, I would bas- say so. Men's basketball is. Maybe the same. The same, yeah. Yeah, I can't say it's markedly better. It's not. We thought it would it's be, not but it better hasn't been. because it it had a little. It peaked under him, yes. but it has, you know, dropped. I mean, to it's this point, so- Hurley's run is very similar to Herb Sendex. Yeah, a, a couple years of success followed by a drop off, followed by not able to get back to that success. Now that could change. <clears throat> He's still here, but that's. You know, facts are facts right now. So I'm looking around and I'm thinking softball has returned, but we just lost that head coach. Right. And I mean, and again, this is an impossible standard, but before he was here, we won, what, two national championships in softball. Yeah. Can you say they're better? But I'm also looking at immediately before he arrived. Sure, sure. I'm not talking about returning to heights because that's unfair for baseball. You know, like baseball is not going to get back to winning five true, titles in, in Very you know, 20 years in, in 15 years no however baseball is inarguably worse off baseball I mean, is that, worse um that's the easiest one to say of anything i would say the, is that so, baseball is worse off than when he got here so i'll ask this because i don't remember and I, and i know that this is scraping pretty low yeah the heights of men's golf and the improvements to the swimming and diving program and coaching staff and marquee level and hockey, I think are the three things that you could point to that he, I suppose, I don't know about swimming because I don't, I don't remember when Bowman got here, but I don't either. He might predate Ray. And that's what I'm thinking is he might. Right. Right. So, but I, so I think you can give him hockey and, Hockey, yes, and, I'll grant that. Yes, and I want to say golf as well. Like golf yeah. returned from you know potentially being gone. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, of course, 
I will say, and I'm going to, you know, freely admit bias. And I don't know if Ray was behind this or Michael Crow, probably more likely Michael Crow, you know, the moving to Papago and leaving Karsten and letting Karsten become a wasteland and then bulldozing it. Like, I don't, I don't feel like that was a good thing for golf. Now, uh, that's just my opinion. So, uh, you know, the program seemed to be in good shape. Ben's, I mean, they both made the NCAAs this year. The men's team got to the final match, um, you know, uh, so they do seem to be competitive. But, God, they ought to be. I mean, I hate to say it. But well, like, Arizona, the golf, state of Arizona, Arizona golf state, is. You're in trouble. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I am with you. But so to answer your question, the hockey arena being built and hockey yeah. being a thing. But I, so this goes back to a, a text I sent you that I fully admit is, I recognize it's not the Michael Crow way and it's, you know, <laughs> say what you will. Yeah. If you could do it over again, though, wouldn't you just not have hockey, keep that money for football or renovating Wells Fargo? Yeah. Like, instead of building the mullet arena, wouldn't you have rather Desert Financial be better? A better basketball arena or maybe put some of that money. I mean, you know, I'll go to another thing. The money that was put in in the last three, four years to improving Phoenix Beauty and making it ASU baseball, why wasn't that money put into Packard, which was already ASU baseball? So, uh, you know, same type of deal. It's like we cry poor. And granted, I know we don't have the money that Ohio State has and Texas has. I mean, you and I, we, we both observed how big the Texas soccer stadium is. I'm like, good Lord, man. But it's like, yeah, they got the money. Why not? We don't have that. I get it. But the money that we do have, it seems to be being allocated in ways that, yeah, don't don't seem all that satisfying. I mean, the hockey program is fun, and I and it is cool, you know. And they've mm-hmm. they've gotten to the tournament, and and it sounds like you know. But in the grand scheme of things, it's Phoenix. Yeah. It's never going to be a hockey mad society. It's just not. They could win an NCAA title, and it wouldn't make much of a ripple in this city. Well, and um, so take it a yeah. step further, I'd say you're looking at a an arena that you built that's a multi-purpose, so your hockey, volleyball, gymnastics, yeah. wrestling, wrestling can all mm-hmm. play there. And it's smaller, it's more intimate. That's great. I'm with you. But you've got a much larger basketball arena that in 2004, when we arrived on campus, needed a facelift. Right. And it still hasn't had anything. And it's 2022. Yeah. And and it looks almost exactly the same. Like, I mean, honestly, as you're saying that, I'm not sure they've done a single thing to the basketball arena since we arrived on campus in 2004. They put up those walls that then they took down. Yeah. They put up the temporary picture walls. Right. The seats are exactly the same. The, the, the bowels, the locker room, you know, equipment room, all that stuff is exactly the same. Nothing has changed in that arena. And you're right. It was outdated and outmoded 18 years ago. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, we criticize Bobby Hurley, and I think somewhat fairly that he hasn't maxed out what we thought he should do. But... He's, you know, there's a perfect example of like, are we giving him the tools to max it out? Like we and have I don't let him off the hook completely, but still like, uh, you know, there's some excuse there. 
like legitimate we have, excuse, I would say. We have weather up, which is right, which is nice, you know, and, and that, good. yeah, that, yeah, that's not nothing. No, it's not. It's it is nice, but um, it's but, you yeah, know, I mean, but where it, you play your games and where your fans go to see your games matters just as much, if not more, than your practice facility. Well, because I the think. the environment you create is what gets seen on TV for recruiting. Yeah. The environment yeah. you create is what brings people back to spend their money on the product that right. is ASU right. basketball. And it's like, you know, oh, one other thing we didn't talk about. He also lost CTT. True, true, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. not good. I mean, and that program has slid backwards a little. Yeah. Really, I mean, you know, even before, I mean, like, the last couple of years, like, last year, didn't they miss the tournament? I think. Yeah. And again, I mean, I know teams, but you know, I'm not saying they got to make it every single year. It's not UConn, but still like, you know, from, from where they were when we were in college, when they made, then they get to the elite eight twice. Yeah. Like, you the, know, they the were, they were knocking January right on the door teams. final four and they're not knocking on that door anymore. Haven't been recently. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, so, I guess I, I, one thing we haven't talked about and I want to get your thought on it i'm not sure there's an answer to it is so i've heard a lot of you know like okay i think we all knew that the end result sometime probably before january 1 was that herm edwards would no longer be the coach here but it's very interesting to me how quickly seemingly it happened you you keep him after last year yeah you keep him through the ncaa turmoil you keep him through the assistance you know fleeing and getting fired and all that stuff. You keep him. He's our guy. He's our guy. First two games, you you overmatch in NAU. Great. Everybody's happy. Feel good. You go, you have a competitive road loss to Oklahoma State. Don't like losing, but nobody's really too upset. And then, yes, the Eastern Michigan loss is a disaster, but like, is there something more there? I'm not saying he didn't deserve to be fired or let go or whatever, because he certainly did. But it's just, it's very interesting to me how quick it all happened. I mean, this ain't Scott Frost. Yeah. Scott Frost was on the chopping block last year, and then they lost to Northwestern, and then they barely beat North Dakota, and then they lost to Georgia Southern, and it's like, okay, we got to make a move. This is untenable. I, like, it, it, this one's not the same. So I, I wonder, based on, because I'm in the same boat as you, I don't have Pac-12 network access, so I right, you know, right. listen to a little bit and watch nothing. Except right. for afterwards. Um, <laughs> Me too, yeah. The the question, I guess, becomes, was it so viscerally upsetting to Michael Crow in the stadium to see what Doug Haller described as ambivalence? People right. just left. They weren't booing anymore. They weren't even no. there. They didn't care. No. It's whatever. And, and that's And that's Phoenix. I mean, you and I have seen that over the years. You know, that will happen in Phoenix sports. Certainly happens with ASU that if, if you're not good, they'll just, they'll just tune you out. Like, they, you know, there is not a – this isn't Nebraska where, you know, they're going to show up and they're going to be angry and they're going to boo and they're going to demand better. Like, it's going to be like, well, whatever, we'll do something else. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that knee-jerk, that is the feeling is like, what's this one loss – and, and everything that happened in those 60 minutes, that bad. Because I've heard, and, and the points are true. Like, yes, they're under NCAA investigation. Yes, they underachieved last year. Yes, they lost all these coaches and they lost players in the port. All that's true. But all that was known six months ago. 
and yeah. you didn't make a change. So what changed between September, you know, 15th, when you're getting ready for this game on the 17th, to 18 when you move on from him? Was it just how bad those 60 minutes were? Or is there something else in the in the background that, you know, and it'll go back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, that Doug Haller will report four years and be like, well, this is what happened. They're like, oh, okay, light bulb on. That's how it went so bad so fast. I'm, I mean, the answer is probably money, right? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Or, or is it Herb? I mean, it all comes, you know, like, is it Herb saying, I can't do this anymore? And Ray letting him off the hook by not saying he just quit. But, but maybe that's it. Like, maybe Herb, maybe Herb called Ray on Sunday morning and said, I can't do this anymore. This well, team stinks. I'm going to go out with a 2-10 and 10 record, and I'm out. Sorry, bud. I'm leaving. Yeah. You know, maybe it's that simple. Chris Cartman reported that on Sunday morning, Herm is a <laughs> notorious early riser. Yeah. You know, he's at the facility at right. 4 in the gym, lifting weights by 5. Right. And he reported that he, that he Chris Cartman, was getting texts that Herm's not here. Yeah. Six o'clock, seven o'clock, nine o'clock. Herm's not here. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I didn't hear that. But yeah. Late morning. Herm's here, but he's not in his office. Yeah. 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 So that, I mean, that lends credence to what I just said. Like maybe he, you know, maybe that was it. Maybe he saw the writing on the wall that, hey, if we can't beat Eastern Michigan, how many teams are we going to beat? And do I want my last, you know, if indeed this is his last full year of coaching, and I would say that's very possible um at any you know major level do i want my last year to be one and eleven two and ten well, and you, three and nine however you know, bad it is like well probably not and another thing that we talked about is yeah every year he he hadn't finished below 500 but it wasn't like he had a huge cushion for his no. career record to stay above 500 <laughs> that's true that's true yes yeah so yeah i don't know if it was just like you know and and again raise his buddy we know that and so uh, maybe he, you know, said, well, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm quitting, but can you, can you do me a favor and make it look like I didn't quit? Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, don't, don't just say, you know, I threw in the towel. Um, uh, you know, he should have, he should have retired after last year. Like yeah. He could have had, I mean, I'm not saying he would have had a statue built for himself outside the stadium or anything, but it would have been, if he had come out on the, you know, the night of, or the day after the U of A game and said, I'm done. You know, I, I, I've done what I could here. I'm proud of the effort that I put in here. Uh, we had our best season, you know, in, in my four years. And, uh, you know, it's time for me to spend time with my family and blah, 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 all that BS that people say. It would have been so much better for him, I think, in terms of how people felt about him. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> could have gone I... out with a, you know, a win over Arizona you know, go to the bowl and have it be kind of a tribute to Herm and, you know, thanks for the memories and blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, everything went bad since then. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, you know, it's a black eye for him as a coach. A little bit, a little bit. He'll, he'll get past it. I mean, he will, I will be shocked if the football season, college or pro, expire without him back on ESPN or so yeah or or a similar you know Fox or whatever yeah I I totally agree I mean he's he's made for TV um and you know 
he benefits from the fact that it is ASU. They're off the national radar in a lot of ways. So it'll just be like, yeah, Herman, you know, welcome back to Bristol, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Herman, have you been um, watching much NFL these days? Oh, yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I was doing other stuff, <laughs> yeah. but I always was yeah. focused on what was happening on Sundays. Right, right. So, yeah, I think he'll land on his feet. And, you know, I don't – I'm going to say this, and maybe others would disagree. I don't feel a lot of bitterness towards Herm or ill will towards Herm. I I don't think he mailed it in like Dennis Erickson did. I really don't. Um, I, I just, you know, he just didn't deliver on the promise. He, he trusted people to help him deliver on what was supposed to happen, and they – broke the rules and they got caught and and he apparently alienated some other people who were quick to expose the rule breaking that was going on rather than kind of following that omerta that most football coaches follow and and that was it you know like that was it but i, I don't i don't know what do you think i mean i i don't look at herm and think like oh that bastard i just you know i just think it didn't work out i am a little harsher in my immediate reaction yeah i think not him as a person but him as a coach was lazy it it was lazy to just turn everything over to antonio pierce it was lazy to not look at what the recruiting rules were yeah it was lazy to you know just ignore the NIL implications for an entire yeah. season. <laughs> yeah. It I was mean, it was lazy to, to not yeah. to not generate the kind of revenue that should have been generated for the program uh, to alienate to not make an effort with the boosters. Yeah. And and that laziness, which I think may come with the fact that you hired someone who is eligible for their full social security. True. Leads me to, you don't want to talk about it, but I want to just raise, I am ready right now today to go with 32-year-old Kenny Dillingham as the head coach. <laughs> and just, no, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's just I feel like it's so wide open. It is wide uh, open. And know, like, look, like, Urban, the, the, the Urban Meyer, Cliff Kingsbury of it all is you yeah, know, fine. I don't, I don't want to speculate on that. On. I don't want. To, I don't think any either of those is worth the time. No, no, agree. But I agree. think the discussion on Dillingham, uh, you know, I saw Sataki at BYU was mentioned. Aguano, yeah. obviously, we will get a a nine game look, and it will be only yeah. nine games. D- don't worry, there's not going to be a bowl game. Don't don't. No, I don't think you're, so. And, and you're I mean, late December, early January. You don't have to worry about. Well, I got to make sure I leave the floating engagement of an ASU game somewhere. <laughs> correct, correct. I agree. And and uh, so I'll just say this about Aguano. I mean, I read the article that Haller wrote, and he seems like a genuinely good guy, and he seems like he wants to do the best he can, and that is fantastic. And I'd love to shake his hands, but I don't want him as the permanent head coach. I mean, I, I'd like short of going 9-0 and and in that span also piling a top 10 national recruiting class? No. Like, you know, been there, done that. We've seen it with others. Where the interim coach has a little success. The players love him, rah, rah, rah. And they hire him and they end up regretting it. They're like, no, so we need a fresh start. Here's I, I will say, here's my view on Iguano. If he recruits Arizona hard, 
and he gets the current players to buy in and he turns things around, then I want him as the offensive coordinator on Dillingham stuff. Yeah, I would I, have no problem keeping him as an assistant, sort of like what the, uh, you give you them the Luke Meyer. Fickle. <laughs> I was going to say, Urban Meyer kept Luke Fickle. You know, he was the interim coach. He did the best he could with a really bad situation, and you kept him on, and he, he ended up, you know, obviously going on being a head coach and having success of his own. But, but yeah, I, I mean, now we're not Ohio State. I get that. But, uh, yeah, 100%. If he would be willing to stay as an assistant because he loves Arizona State, and sure. Well, yes. and if he gets, you know, you give it. him a bump to coordinator. Yeah, or and, associate head coach or yeah. some crap like that. Yeah, and, you, yeah, and it's a 100%. thank you, and he doesn't have to move his kids, and he doesn't have to change houses. Right, right, and, yeah. would and, have no problem with that, but I don't and, want him as a head coach. And you hire the offensive-minded Dillingham to to be your play caller to do the, the coaching of the offense yeah yeah like, yeah and, and is frankly he from phoenix? did i hear that dillingham is from phoenix he went to chaparral i believe yeah yeah that's interesting he's he's it would be a dramatic departure from the coaches that we've hired you know in our lifetime basically i mean when when is the yeah. last time that asu hired a coach i don't know the answer Dirk? Hired a head coach that wasn't a head coach previously. Oh, that wasn't a head coach previously? I don't in, know. Yeah, in college. I don't know the answer to that. I but mean, I mean Herm, Herm, I guess, wasn't a head coach in college. But he was, but an, NFL he was an NFL head coach. coach so I'm, I'm not, yeah. Like, I mean, Herm, Graham, Cutter, Erickson, Bruce Snyder, uh, Daryl Rogers, John Cooper, Larry Marmee. I believe they were all head coaches before. Yeah. I, th- I mean, at least back to Bruce Snyder. I know that. So we're, go- we're going back to the early 90s hiring Bruce Snyder. We've hired somebody who's been a head coach before. And I have stood on the table when I've heard ADs and presidents and media say, you know, we need somebody who's been a head coach before and said, absolutely not. And I will do it again. I'll point you to Kirby Smart. I'll point you to Bob Stoops. I'll point you to Lincoln Riley. I'll point you to Dabo Swinney. All were first time in their spot, and they had a lot of success. I, You know, Paul Christ at Wisconsin – yeah, you know, the, yeah. The list is very long on guys who yeah. you can do this with. Well, and, and and every coach gets their first opportunity. I mean, Nick Saban, somebody had to give him his first opportunity, and yeah. boy, I bet they're glad they did. Well, you know, I, I know he started at Toledo and he moved his way through the ranks. I get it, but but, but, Toledo, still, like, but Toledo hired him, and that was yes, a good hire. Yeah, it's you know, this is the whole thing about like, you know, I I saw Haller made reference to a bunch of people made reference to the. The Billy Napier, what if in yeah. 2017, if you had just given the job to Napier? Okay, yeah. I don't know that we anyone knew Billy Napier was going to wind up of you know a top 25 SEC head coach in right. five years. Right, but I don't think so at that time. Yeah, but Louisiana decided to give Billy Napier a shot, and the Raging Cajuns were in a much better and spot. And they did well. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, I mean, I, I just I hate that. And, and God, we've had multiple ADs and, you know, and, and I swear to God, every one of them, it's like they read the same gospel. Like, you know, well, we're looking for someone with head coaching experience. Like if Georgia football and Ohio State, I didn't mention him, Ryan Day and Clemson and Oklahoma with back to back coaching hires, now three head coaching hires. And we don't know how good the current guy is yet. But still, if those type of programs can hire somebody who's not been a head coach before, then Arizona State sure can. Because the programs I just listed, most of them are, you know, recent national champions. 
yeah. in the last 20 years. All of them, I believe, have won national championships in the last With 25 years. And less time for everybody but Oklahoma. And, and I think to that end, when I... He, I don't want to get too crazy with this because I, one, I don't know that he'd take the job because much like Kirby Smart at Alabama, Kenny Dillingham could just be like, hey, you know what? Wait if, I right wait, if I wait another year, UCLA in the Big Ten might be open. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, yeah, that's that's the tricky part about picking an ideal candidate is like, does the ideal candidate want ASU? But, you know, a little bit nice like, thing, you know, I'd love to date a supermodel, but does the supermodel want me type of deal? Well, the nice thing is, though, and I'm serious about this, with the firing Herm Early, good. Yeah. You get to be part of the group that gets to decide who the next coach is <coughs> with Nebraska. That's Yeah, yeah, you know, I, and that's true. Now, I But I don't I'll, I, I don't want us to now settle and get Bill O'Brien. Which no, is, you know. Agreed. Saw that name mentioned, hated it. Absolutely hated it. No, uh, I want I want somebody on the up and up. I, uh, you know, somebody moving their way up. Now, I have heard the name. You mentioned it a couple months ago, and I love the idea if he'd want it of Deion Sanders. Yeah, love it. I know it would make us a circus. I know Fine. he would probably move on within three years. Invite but the I don't circus. Care. Invite the circus because you know what's going to come yes. with the circus? Money, money, nil recruits, money, TV talent. money. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to have good recruits. We're going to be entertaining. I mean, I read, I think it was, I think it was the article that you linked. Was it, was it Ari Wasserman that wrote the Kenny Dillingham article? Yeah. And the things he started out with the scenario before he got to Kenny Dillingham about how ASU should be the, you know, the entertaining team on the West coast, like Dion would bring that man. I mean, he would bring it. It would, it would be a circus. There is no doubt. And and he probably wouldn't be here for the long haul. If you're hoping to hire a coach that's here for a decade, then he's not the guy. But, you know, if you want immediate excitement and immediate, you know, way to kind of wash away everything that's happened the last couple of years, boy, that's a way to do it. I mean, I have told you the things that I would like to see. If these guys are interested, I would like to see Taylor Kelly or Burko as the quarterback coach. I, yeah, you know, I would. I love, like Taylor Kelly because it is, you know, being in high school and yeah, his connection yeah, to Matter Day. Yeah, um, you know, I would love that move. I would love to keep <laughs> Rodriguez. I I saw somebody yeah. was blasting how bad the D line looked against you know the running game there. It's like right. okay, fine. I grant you that was a poor performance. I didn't see it, but I believe you. Sure, but, sure. You know, look at the three-year track record. That's a bad game. He has made bad players into good players. He's made walk-ons into sack leaders. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah. I, I I agree. I like him. I mean, of the current staff, I guess we talked about Iguano. Um, you know, like those are probably the only two that I would be like, yeah, we need to make sure we keep those guys around uh, if possible. Now, if we hire a head coach who says, look, I want to bring my own staff in. That's fine. Okay. That, you know, like that, I'm open there to should it. be no restraints put on the new head coach. There should be no like, hey, you need to have this guy. No. no. The new head coach should have carte blanche to do whatever he wants. I think the most I would be willing to, the furthest out on that limb I would be willing to go is, before you hire 
the guy you're <laughs> thinking. I want you to sit in a room and talk with these guys. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, give them a, a chance. But if you've got somebody you want, I mean, if you have a defensive line coach that you believe in and he wants to come here, then, you know, Robert Rodriguez, thanks for the memories, but we're going to get the guy we want, you know, and, and oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, well, we're also but, talking about lower down. You know, this is, true, uh, true. I'm not talking about the coordinator. You bring, if you, if your best friend is also a defensive coordinator, great. Bring yeah. it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, you know, I don't know a ton. I mean, I've heard of Dillingham. I believe he was at Florida State, wasn't he? With, with Norvell. With Norvell, Memphis, um, Florida State, um, Oregon now, first year at Oregon. Yeah. I know he's at Oregon now. And, you know, like it's, it's one of those that, you know, two weeks ago you would have said, oh my God, look at that, how bad Oregon looked. And now because they beat BYU, it's like, well, yeah, maybe. So, you know, let's see how the season plays out and let's see what they do. And, but you the know, thing like, to me is, you hire a 32-year-old guy. He's got time. He's got agreed. energy. Like, it, he grew up in Phoenix. Come yeah. on. Like, just, and I know that it's, there are other guys out there. I, I would, you know, if we were a real school, like USC, <laughs> I would look around it at guys who are at, jobs that are like meh maybe this is an all right job but this is what we you know this is what we want yeah yeah i mean i like the idea of getting a young coordinator whether it's kenny dillingham or uh the dude from baylor jeff grimes um i've heard his name mentioned uh alex grinch the defensive coordinator at usc was at oklahoma um you know somebody like that i i don't know if i'm necessarily in on them personally mm-hmm. yet i just don't know enough about them i haven't done enough you know like okay i'm all in on this guy it's more just i like the idea of you know getting our kirby smart yeah. or our Davos swinney or our lincoln riley or so you know somebody who's going to come here with the energy you know you make a good point maybe i'm not giving maybe i'm not criticizing him enough that herm may have been lazy maybe i shouldn't say he didn't mail it in well, you know, a young coach, that should not be the problem. You get a guy whose first first head coaching job, he's going to do everything he can to make it work. And, yeah, four years from now, might he go to the SEC? Might, sure. might you as a school? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Who knows? But I, yeah. but I hear uh, – but that's know. the thing is I don't care if I'm a stepping stone for a guy or that's his thought coming in that, hey, I might not be here that long. He's Agreed. still got to win. You don't agree. It's not a stepping stone job if you go three and nine. Right, right. No, I, I totally agree. And that's always been this sort of like ASU fan mentality that like we don't want to be a stepping stone. It's like, get over it, man. You are. You are a stepping stone. Like you are not USC or Georgia or Alabama. Well, and you know what? LSU or I'm uh, not LSU, I'm sorry. Notre Dame and Oklahoma, they don't think of themselves as stepping stones. And guess what happened? Their head coaches left for other jobs. So yeah. Tough luck, man. Well, like, and that's it, the nature of the beast now. Look at a school that is a stepping stone. Boise. Would I rather have yes. where Boise's at than where we're at? Absolutely. Yeah, for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the last 100%. 20 years of Boise State football have been fun and good. Yes. Consistently. <laughs> yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd gladly no do that. No doubt. No, I agree. I mean, I don't think... 
like if that's your concern as an ASU fan, then I think you're misguided. I guess that's all I could say. Like, I, you know, we are that at, at our very best. That's what we would be. What we've been the last 20 years is more often, you know, uh, one kind of a retirement home for Dennis Erickson and Herm Edwards. Um, and a place where, you know, a coach's career kind of goes to flounder. Dirk Cutter and Todd Graham. I mean, Dirk ended up being, crazily enough, an NFL head coach for, what, one year, two years, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's not like he used ASU as a stepping stone. Like, he got fired by ASU and then had to, you know, rebuild himself and also find himself in the right place at the right time to be a head coach in the NFL. Um, but, you know, like, we should be wanting to be a stepping stone. Because we haven't been for 30 years. Look what happened. Yeah. Like, we haven't had a lot of success in that 30 years. You know, I, I guess what I would say is if you look back at the coordinators who've left, you know, basically under Graham. Yeah. Those guys, any one of them could have been an interesting follow to Graham. And if yes. we could, you know. Napier obviously is the most likely because Norvell had already gone. Norvell had already gone to become a head coach at Memphis. Memphis. Which, by the right. way, yeah, that was a stepping stone job to Florida State. The yeah. Memphis program was fine. They built up yeah. something, you know? They got to a New Year's Six Bowl, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's just got to be, and especially now, maybe even more so than, you know, the BCS era, there is a clear delineation of the, the top. And we're not in it. That's just the that's just the way it is. We are not in it, um, and that doesn't mean we can never be, but it means we're not right now. So to think you're going to get the head coach who's going to come here and be here for thirty years, like you know Bobby Bowden at Florida State, it's not going to happen. You're either going to have a head coach who has success and then goes on to bigger, better things, or you're going to fire another coach in five, six years. That's, yeah. Those are your choices, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and the, you know, you mentioned this, but it's true. Like, look at Nick Saban, okay? He's a fixture at Alabama. He's been right. great there. Well, before Alabama, he left Michigan State. He left LSU. Right. He well, left LSU. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, he won a national title at LSU and left. And they and hate left. him. Like, exactly. I would love yeah. to have my next head coach win a national title and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I would take, I would take a Pac-12 title. Yeah. yeah. Hundred uh, percent, you know. Um, so yeah, I, like I don't know. I, again, I don't know who it's going to be. I'm sure we'll have we'll have plenty of these discussions over the next two three months before a head coach is hired, and maybe zero in on certain guys and their pros and cons. <clears throat> but yeah, the bottom line is, I mean, you said it a while back in this discussion that a lot of times you go, you know, opposite of what you just had. Well, opposite of what we just had would be the young first time head coach that would be the opposite approach yeah um you know going back to ray anderson like do i want ray anderson making the final call no i really don't and it sure sounds like he may not but but then you ask yourself well who is because I, I are we going to just take a search firm's recommendation i guess because it ain't going to be michael crow he doesn't know what he's i mean he's not a football guy yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's the that's the frustrating thing about the Ray Anderson situation is, on one hand, you say, well, Jesus, you, you made the mistake of hiring Herm. You trusted Herm. Look where we are now. I don't want you anywhere near the next coach. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, 
you're the athletic director who was hired from the world of football. Like we should be trusting you to hire this head coach. You should know what you're doing, but you, you so missed on the last one when the final verdict is in and it is now that I'm not sure that's anything we should be trusting. Well, not only did you miss on Herm, you had Napier, you let him walk. You couldn't figure out how to fund to keep him. Then you have this giant NCAA mess where the one thing that happens is guys leave jobs and don't turn on you, and it happened to you. (laughs) So you didn't ingratiate any loyalty with these guys. clearly not. Even by guys who were loyal to Herb. I mean, if we believe Kevin Mawai was, and it sure seems like he was, one of the guys who helped break this. Like, I mean, Herm was at his Hall of Fame induction. Like, they were tight. And and enough happened that, that he was willing to roll on him and everything that happened. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that you've got that. Pierce was his guy. And, and, right. You know. And, and, right. and to be clear, I don't know if it's bravery that he, that Ray Anderson stuck by these guys or if it's cowardice that he did because he didn't want to admit his mistake. You like know? in the offseason, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and that's the biggest thing for me, and going back to the whole thing of like, how does this happen so fast? Why do we, why do we make this move after week three when all these other factors beyond the Eastern Michigan loss were known six months ago, nine months ago, a year ago? And you think like, well, did we just, did we basically just punt the 2022 season? I mean, was that the mentality that like, okay, well, the first bad thing that happens, we're going to get rid of Herb. I was like, well, then why didn't you get rid of him last December? And we maybe could have hired a coach last year who could have started something this year. Yeah. I'm not saying he would have, you know, like, I'm not saying we would have been a Rose Bowl team this year or anything, but like, wouldn't you rather have, I mean, you, you said, and, and you're right in the position we're in now, now we get to be at the forefront of the coaching market. But in some ways, wouldn't you rather already have the new coach in place? Oh, sure. In March and April, and you know, like you know, bring well, that and to guy be recruiting. He's already now. in place. Like, because that's the thing. You're gonna ask whoever you hire. It, the only people who you can hire right now who can start the recruiting process: Scott Frost, Ed Ogeron. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ty Willingham. What's the last name you said? <laughs> Ty Willingham. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> wow, you're really... Scott Frost doesn't totally, you know... How do I word it? Like, I'm, I'm mildly intrigued. So he would it, be intrigued. The Scott Frost of it all... I know we didn't want to get into this, but the Scott Frost of it all, to me, is sort of a marriage of necessity, almost like Emory mm-hmm. Jones and ASU. Like... Yeah! We need a good coach who can write the ship and who really doesn't have a better option because we're <laughs> yeah, not a good you're option. Right. Like you're right. We've got yeah. a looming NCAA investigation. We're hemorrhaging talent. The recruiting class last year, this year and next year are bad, bad and looks bad. Horrible. So far. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, not existent in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. So you need someone to come in and, it's not like we've got a ton of money. If we had a ton of money, I i mean, we would never do it, but I'd love to 
Godfather offer Lane Kiffin or Godfather yeah. offer Sark. I mean, it's, we'll never out, be able to bid out right. outbid Sark. It's but, never, exactly. But you're right. I mean, we're not going to be able to outbid Ole Miss. No yeah. way. Well, I mean, I mean no look way. at our softball you know, coach. Like, we can't outbid anybody. No, not, I mean, not at, not at the power level. But you're right. I mean, I think Scott Frost, you know, he's in need of, of you know, career rehab. Um, but I am, you know, like. Did, did Dr. Drew host that show back in the early 2000s? I think so. Rehab? I think so. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, like, I mean, uh, you know, he had a lot of success at UCF, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska, I mean, look, I know the wins and loss record was horrible, but it wasn't. You know, this sounds like a crazy thing to say, but, it, you know, like they were they were the best, you know, three and nine team you could imagine. Like they were competitive in every single game. They just didn't win a single close game. Like it was it was as though their stadium was built on some sort of, you know, cursed burial ground or something like that. Like it was crazy how bad luck they were. And so I just feel like maybe a change of scenery would do it. Maybe. Mm hmm. I, I would put him, I wouldn't rule him out. I would want to see what else is available, but I, oh, sure. I would not yeah. like, I think he's behind Dillingham. He's behind coach prime. Yes. But I would, I, I mean, I agree. I would rather have some of those often, you know, some of those assistants we talked about say, you know, Deion Sanders, but I'd like, rather here's my rather, thought. Could we have had Deion Sanders last year? And now maybe it's too late. Yeah. Like Deion Sanders star is on the rise and, you know, if Auburn makes a change, which is very possible, uh, you know, something like that. Like, I mean, he could he could be out of our league at this point. I so I would view Scott Frost though as a realistic expectation here for us on a mutual need to make good, right? Like he he might take yeah three million dollars for a head coaching yeah, job yeah 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 no i mean I, I yeah very much i think it would make sense for him um and you know i mean he's got some western ties he you know he's from california uh he, you know he started his college career at stanford didn't mm-hmm. last there he ended up going to nebraska obviously but he started there he was a he was an offensive coordinator at oregon so he's got some conference ties he's you know, aside from his time at Nebraska, he's got a very good track record of developing quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Mackenzie Milton at UCF, uh, Vernon Adams, you know, Mariota, he coached a little bit at Oregon. Uh, I mean, you know, did did well. And yeah, I mean, I agree. He's not my ideal, like, oh, we got to get Scott Frost, throw everybody else aside. But if we ended up with Scott Frost, I would hate it. Now, I know we'd be the object of derision. It'd be like, oh, God. Yeah, get excited about the guy who went 3-9 and nine last but, year. But you know uh, what? The Patriots hired Bill Belichick. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, like oh, every every coach almost everywhere has been fired before. And you're right. I mean, I, Belichick's the greatest example of a guy who got fired and it sure worked out well the second time around. Well, Pete Carroll um, at USC. Pete Carroll is another great one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, those are obviously the high, high, high end of how it can work out. And there's plenty of examples of the other end where somebody gets fired, gets a second job, and is worse. But it's a um, but. But there is value, I think, in the fact that it's a younger guy. Agree. Agree. You know, yeah. we're not. Yeah. High, I just because I just t- refuse to believe Scott Frost. 
lost it completely after he left UCF. Like, I, I just cannot believe that. Well, and you uh, go back to, I mean, the name that I said, and you're like, I am not excited about that. I'm worried that the perfect coach for what we do is Bill O'Brien, a uh, guy yeah. who, you know, has had success in college, but it was a while ago. Uh, yeah, you know? and very short term. And then went to the NFL. Wasn't good. No, um, no, it was was definitely not. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want, first of all, you need a coach who's going to kind of get get out and get people excited. And Bill O'Brien isn't that. Like, the, the, you know, I, I've heard stories, you know, from people who work for the Texans. Bill O'Brien is a miserable person. Um, and I just, yeah, I just do not think, I mean, he, he handled a tough situation at Penn State. And tough doesn't do it justice. Did it very well. I'll give him that. I read a, I read a book that went through their, you know, 2012 season and, it spoke very highly of him, but the stuff I've heard about the Texans, like, no, I want no part of that. We need a coach who's going to make people feel good about ASU, and I don't think he's interested in that part of the job at all. Yeah, I agree with that. Ultimately, I want to be a young guy, but look, we've been going at this yeah. for a while. It's been an hour. We're going to be doing yeah. this for hours and hours more let's let's <laughs> yeah. talk a little bit about our nationally televised game yeah the start of the sean aguano era against utah i don't think we're going to win no i don't think so either i mean it's one of those that you you know you wonder if there's just this you know interim coach um bump now yeah now i will say i thought that could happen with nebraska this past week and after the first drive i thought here we go they're gonna win and then it went really really bad the rest of the way so there's some limitations in that but uh, you know that's my only thought like if i'm if i'm a utah fan i'm just the slightest bit nervous because you get a team off an embarrassing loss interim coach they're at home and you'd think, you know, like, okay, might be a little bit dangerous. Do I think we are? No. But if by putting myself in the shoes of the other fan base, I'd be a little bit nervous. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking Utah to win 35-13. to 13. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would probably say I'll go just slightly lower scoring and say uh, 31 to 10. Yeah. So roughly the same margin. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a chance, like I said, that, you know, if we get out to a good start and, you know, you kind of see what happens, but I, I, yeah, I just don't, I mean, ultimately I just don't think we're good enough. You know, if we're, if we lost to Eastern Michigan, and are we really good enough to beat a team that I think is pretty darn good? No, I don't think so. What do you expect to see different, if anything? More Emory Jones running? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Tempo? The one thing I've, I've read, you know, a couple things is like, oh, the, the offense is moving so much faster. And it's like, well, okay, we still have the same offensive coordinator. 
So mm-hmm. is it really going to be that much different? Or is it just going to be a faster pace to go three and out? <laughs> I yeah. hate to say it, but are, are we just going to run three quick plays and punt rather than take two minutes off the clock before we punt? I don't know. I assume Iguano's not going to call plays, but I, I'm curious if that's a, you know, if I'm him, by the way, I want to do what's best for ASU, but I also recognize this may be my only collegiate head coaching job. I'm 51 years old. If I think I want to be the play caller, I'm the play caller. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're probably right. He's not. But yeah, I mean, you know, like you, you should do what you can, I suppose. I mean, I just like how much, I guess that's the thing is like, what we were told, what you you know read and heard all the time was like Herm was the CEO and that's it. Well, okay, if Herm's the CEO, how much is really going to be different with him gone? We still have the same guys calling the plays, doing the X's and O's, right? I think. Yeah, I believe. I mean, defensively, nothing that like you would think the change would be defensively because Herm's a defensive coach. So you know maybe that you'd be freeing things up, but. I don't think there's any freeing up to be done. Agreed. Agreed. You know, like yeah. blitz yeah. more, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, here's something I just thought of. Like, is Marvin Lewis still around? I mean, he was only there because of Herm. Or is he yeah. gone too? I mean, as far as I know, he's still there. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean. It'd be a I, Bobby I Petrino. Involved, but like, it would be a Bobby Petrino move. For him, it would be a what? Bobby Petrino level move. True, true. For him to walk out I mean, on his team, uh, you know. And and here's another, Brian Billick. Supposedly, both of those guys were only here because of her. So are they still here? Or are they just gonna like? Now, I mean, is Brian? I, I told I you from the moment heard I heard anything. Brian Billick got hired that I thought he was just out here to play golf. I have uh, not heard anything about Brian Billick all season. Me neither. So. No, not since like early August when practice started. Mm-hmm. There's like one picture of him, and that was it. Yeah. Now, I know he doesn't coach, you know, he can't be on the field or whatever, you know, so maybe that, but, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. So, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think there could be a little emotional bump, um, but it's one of those that, like, sort of like the Nebraska game, like, if Utah hits us in the face in the first quarter, then it's over. Like, you know, we come out emotional, we come out fired up, but as long as Utah doesn't let that snowball, they'll win easily. Yeah. It gets dangerous if they have a couple turnovers. If they let us hang around, or or worse, if if they let us build a lead. Like, if we go up somehow, you know, 17 to 3, 21 to 7, there's turnovers... There's a blocked punt, you know. By the way, if I'm Utah, I am alert for an onside kick the first time ASU kicks. Yeah, yeah, and and that is exactly why that type of thing is why I'd be nervous if I was a Utah fan, you know, because yeah, what does this team have to lose? You know, that's the thing. You get that sort of like, oh, uh, well, you know, we're, everybody expects us to stink. Okay, you know, uh, we might as well go out and go for on fourth downs and onside kick and all that good stuff. And, and that's the one, you know, but I feel like much like Nebraska, like 
you know, Oklahoma took their early punch. It was seven nothing. Then I think Oklahoma scored, you know, three straight touchdowns or something like that, and it was over. And that that to me is is the key for Utah. Like, take the early punch. Yeah, you're probably going to get a little bit of emotion, but answer back. Have a two touchdown lead at halftime, and it's over. You'll cruise mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. So depression, but probably. But hey, look. Now, there's some optimism because he's. At least we could turn the page. Yeah, we you, you look, know you know else, next yeah. year's gonna be different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, it allows you to turn the page, and and you know no longer do the well. When is Herm gonna go? How is he gonna go? What ha- you know? Okay, we've we've done that. We ripped the bandaid off. Probably you know nine months after it should have been. Um, and yeah, now there's, I, I agree. That's a good way to put it. There is just that glimmer of like, okay, light at the end of the tunnel. And it doesn't feel like it's an oncoming train. Yeah. Or it is, but we just have more time before we it know. Could be. It could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we still have the looming NCAA stuff. We still, you know, like there's, there's still concerns on the horizon, but there's, you know, there is that hope of like, okay, well, hopefully we can get the right guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, it is... It is definitely a different tone than a week ago when we're like, hey, you know, we quitted ourselves rather well at Oklahoma State. Uh, that's the weird thing. I mean, that is exactly it. Like, I was very disappointed, obviously, when I saw that we lost. Very. But I, you know, I Sunday all day. I, I mean, I thought, well, you know, okay, we lost. But like, I mean, I read people on Twitter like, oh, Irv's gonna get fired now. I'm like, dude, it ain't gonna happen. I don't know what you're thinking. And then it did. And and so that is the crazy thing is like, in some ways it took too long, and in other ways it's like, wow, that was much quicker than I anticipated. Yeah, they actually did it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, I'll be. I'll be interested to know if there's any more backstory to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, of the two of us, you'll you'll likely be the only one with a chance to find out separate from Doug Haller reporting it. In four or five <laughs> well, years. Maybe, maybe I don't, uh, you know, like with, uh, with, I mean, I don't know that many people there anymore. And I mean, the one person I did know was Mark Brand and oh, I just he wasn't mean- going to, he wasn't going to spill secrets anyway. No, I just mean because you're going to the stadium and you'll be up in the press box. Oh, I get you. I get you. No, I, okay, okay. I thought you meant that. Yeah, yeah. But, no, uh, like you'll you'll uh, yeah. be around. You may hear some loose talk around that around the be. media room. That could be, I suppose. Yes, yes. That's that's possible. But um, yeah, who knows? Who knows, man? I, it's uh, it's an interesting time and. You know, I, I did think like this is the first time since we followed ASU that there's an interim coach. I know we've had coaches fired before bowl games, but they coach the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's it's a new feeling in some ways. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll be here to break down every one of the Sean Iguano era games. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.